0: I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hi, everyone. Before we go any further today, I don't want this to just me be coming on here and having some performative activism, which I learned about from Andrea Renee J on Instagram. She will be linked in the show notes, i.e. the sort of activism just to make myself look good and so we can all feel comfy and nice that we're doing the right thing here today. And I... I want to say first that I am linking to a very extensive Google Doc created by at Patia's Fantasy World. It has so many resources, actionable items, and black-made content. And secondly, I want to make my actions sustainable so that this isn't just a performative activism on my part, and it doesn't end after this week is done. And if you've listened to any kind of cute podcasts in the past, you know that I consume the shit out of things. Books, podcasts, media, food, drinks. And I took a hard look at what I was consuming and I saw an extreme lack of black voices. And I want to start consuming things to educate myself on how to be anti-racist and to support black-owned businesses and voices I have so much to learn, and I should have started a hell of a long time before now. I've really been slacking on that to date, and that needs to change, and I want that to start being represented in our episodes going forward. Today would have been Breonna Taylor's 27th birthday. As white people, we have to do better, and there is an article on The Cut where her mother gave an interview to The Cut, and She says, it's hard to breathe without her. It's hard to think without her. She was so much like me, it's unreal. But she was a much better version. And she talks about their plans to go out on a nice dinner tonight and how Brianna liked to get dressed up like we all do on our birthday. And I haven't given y'all homework in a while, but beyond checking out these resources and listening to Black voices, go check out this article on The Cut and humanize Brianna and see what her mom had to say and get sad and get mad about it. Because I I would cover the whole thing on here, but I feel like I couldn't even do this article justice without literally reading every word. And that's what I want you guys to do today. Again, I have so much to learn. I hope I get called out when I'm failing to do what I'm saying I'm going to do. And I just, again, I just hope we as white people as a whole can be better moving forward, starting right now. So I want us to real quick go back to episode 10 of Kind of Cute, and we talked about Thomas Middle Ditch's infamous Playboy interview, where he said some very uncomfy things about his wife, and I hope that this article, the Playboy article, did not shame Molly about the swinging lifestyle, because when I discussed this article on the podcast, that is not what I was trying to do. But I took issue with the fact that it seemed like Middle Ditch was putting his wife's shit all in the public eye without her permission. He says flat out in that interview, I don't give a fuck, but my wife is more private. So I have to juggle that. As he literally spills like every single detail about their private life. Ugh. So People magazine reports that Molly filed for divorce on May 28th on the grounds of. Irreconcilable differences, which is very standard language for a divorce. So we don't know exactly why it happened. Maybe their relationship had just run its course, but I wonder if something did stem from maybe she wasn't down with the swinging lifestyle. Next up for our first article of the day Who knew improv could be so hot? Comedian Ben Schwartz is your new crush. By our girl, Sanjita Sinkertz, of course. I'd like to preface this by saying that one time I slid into Ben's DMs asking him his thoughts on the latest Taylor Swift album, and that was a while ago, but I still haven't heard back. I just thought you guys should know, and I also thought this article was relevant since Ben's latest comedy special on Netflix is with Thomas Middleditch. Go figure. So let's hear what Sinjita had to say. When I video call Schwartz, he's wearing a dark blue polo and eating Cheerios while we talk. His hair is big and black, and I guess the correct word for it is luscious. His first comedy job was faxing jokes into SNL and Letterman. He used the money to pay off the fax machine he bought to do the job. Now, when I read this, I was trying to do the math in my head because he is 38. Today, so back when he was in his twenties, why was he not using the internet? Was he really having to fax the joke to SNL? Like, did they not have an email address that he could contact? I really don't understand. So then, sanjita says that before that, he worked at a sneaker store called Athlete's Foot, and he wrote about it in his first movie, which was a rivalry with Footlocker. Now, sadly, this movie wasn't made, and. I just want to know where I can watch it, it, but I guess the problem was it wasn't ever made. So I guess what I really want to do is just read the script that he wrote about it, because I feel like that might exist somewhere. And as Sanjita later points out, Ben's first big job was on Parks and Rec as John Ralphio. And on that show, sometimes John Ralphio worked at Lady Foot Locker. So I don't know if that was a conscious callback to the fact that he actually worked at somewhere called athlete's foot which by the way is honestly a gross name for a store why would we want to call something athlete's foot like that's a great name. you think that's great ew the irony of it is so great sure i mean i guess i don't really want to be reminded of foot fungus i can get when i'm buying I tennis buy a shoes shoe. uh, good old athlete's foot <laughs> So the next fact that we learned through this article is my favorite. So thank you, Sanjita, for this. His first acting gig was in 2005, and it wasn't glamorous. It was a commercial for Publix the infamous Floridian supermarket chain. (laughs) He had no lines and says he was fucking terrified, but they were flying him to Tampa first class, which no one in his family had ever flown. He says he was flabbergasted when he was offered breakfast. He ordered eggs, and while he ended up with cereal mixed with half and half, he was just thrilled he could say he had eaten breakfast in first class. First of all, I love Publix so much. Props to them for flying him on first class. Like... I already thought you were classy Publix, but like this really confirmed it for me. I'm just so proud to live in the state that Publix originated from. Like they're just really doing the most out there. So Sanjita says he's eating Cheerios while they talk and she praises it as a meal choice. And she says that he spirals and says, I'm trying so hard to eat well. I can't. I can't. The world is crumbling. I'm eating Reese's peanut butter cups frozen three times a day. And Damn, can I relate to this? First of all, the other night, Kenzie and I went and got blizzards from Dairy Queen. We got the raspberry brownie chocolate black. What was it called? Something like that. Raspberry fudge bliss. bliss. We splurged. We got the small instead of the mini. And let me tell you, getting the small is like getting a pint of ice cream. Getting the mini, it's it's not it. Get the small. Eat a freaking pint of blizzard. It goes down so delicious. The trick is, I like to get their vanilla based ice creams, but ask them to sub out chocolate. On top of that, I keep buying bags of Japanese Kit Kats and eating the whole bag. I mean, it's over a course of time, but I must be stopped. So, Ben, I see you. I feel your pain. I love a frozen Reese's. And Kenzie and I also got cereal one time during quarantine. And let me tell you, that shit did not last. It did not last very long at all, largely because of me. So then Sanjita says, as we talk, Schwartz has been pushing his hair back. It's thick, wavy, and very beautiful, which I tell him. And he says, I can't do anything with it. I'm trying so hard, he exclaims, grabbing it with both hands. I'm having so much trouble with it, and I don't know how to cut it. Sanjita, girl, I love that you straight up told him it was beautiful. I think that takes a lot of guts. I don't know if I'd have the guts to be able to do that when I'm having a Zoom meeting with Ben Schwartz. I think, first of all, I would have peed my pants. I maybe would have felt like I needed to vomit beforehand. Uh, The thought of interviewing anyone, I really want to do it, but it gives me a little bit of hives just because I know how awkward I can be. And then C.J. says, I wonder if he has had someone to cut it for him. He tells me he's quarantined with his girlfriend, but he won't tell me anything else about her, which gives me hope that maybe she's imaginary. <laughs> this is so funny, and I'm pretty sure she has a serious boyfriend, which makes it even funnier. But girl, I'll say it again. Like, I still want you to come on the podcast. Maybe we can discuss this up close and personal. I know I said I might pee before an interview with you, but we can look past that. And then she says, we're nearing the end of our time. So I take a stab at flirting and remind him I'm interviewing him for a column about celebrity heartthrobs. This is news to him. Oh my God, he practically screams. So what are you going to do? Are you going to say, and I also interviewed Ben? I tell him that actually he's a hot person. He denies this rather gravely, explaining that he's lost too many roles to more attractive people to believe that. I wonder if his self-deprecation is genuine or if it's a comedian thing. Either way, it's charming. Before we hang up, he muses, You know, I don't love talking about my personal life, and yet we just went on a wonderful date. How beautiful. Just two friends hanging out. Later, I'd wonder if he really did think we had a wonderful date or if he had just gently friend zoned me. In any case, I'm still hanging on to the hope that his girlfriend is imaginary. Sis, me too, honestly. Ben Schwartz gets compared a lot to Joe Keery of Steve Harrington from Stranger Things fame. And we already know how much I love and I'm obsessed with him. So obviously I I feel the same way about Ben Schwartz. So this is Sanjita, literally some of your best work yet. I feel like I say it every week, but hot damn did this interview speak to me. Next up, the K-pop stands are Radicalizing by Kathleen Howe. I said it before, I'll say it again, when a fangirl slash fanboy's power is used for good, it can do some wild shit. Kathleen writes that the K-pop fans have come together to troll white supremacists and interfere with police surveillance of protesters. Apparently this started on May 1st when a Dallas police asked for videos of, and I quote this, from their tweet, illegal protest activity to an app called iWatch. So the K-pop fans flooded this app with videos of K-pop stars. And the next day, the same Dallas police par- department tweeted that the app was down. Then they started doing the same thing with other police departments. And then they moved on to the white lives matter hashtag to drown out that racist shit too. And this statement from Kathleen was so real. Ardent fans of anything tend to exhibit both a hive mind mentality and preternatural understanding of how the internet works. They are ruthlessly efficient. No one can game an algorithm like a stand determined to get YouTube views up or break streaming records. And if you guys are at all familiar with K pop fans, they are some of the biggest in the world. The article even says that BTS's army, that's the name they go by, makes the Swifties and the Believers engagement on Twitter look like a blip. Like these people have vocal power. And I love the fact that they're trying to use it for good. I I don't know how much actual good it's doing, but if they're drowning out white lives matter, in my mind, that seems like a step in the right direction. Next up, Leah Michelle accused of racism and bullying by Glee castmates by Madeline Agler. So I wasn't going to talk about this today only because I thought everyone had already heard about it. But Kinsey told me she hasn't, so I feel like it's really important that we walk through it. Leah Michelle of Glee fame, I'm sure you've probably heard of her. She originally started out on Broadway, and earlier this week she tweeted, George Floyd did not deserve this. This was not an isolated incident, and it must end. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. Now, Samantha Ware was on Glee with Leah Michelle. She played jane hayward on the sixth season of lee and she also comes from a broadway background and she tweeted this and it's in all caps so very powerful it says lmao remember when you made my first television gig a living hell because i'll never forget i believe you told everyone that if you had the opportunity you would quote shit in my wig amongst other traumatic microaggressions that made me question a career in hollywood Okay, what the actual hell, Leah? And that is so much more than a microaggression. It's just straight up aggressive and disgusting. And in case you're listening to this and thinking maybe that was an isolated event, oh, oh no, oh no. Dabie Snell tweeted this in response to Leah's tweets. Girl, you wouldn't let me sit at the table with the other cast members because I didn't belong there. I didn't belong there is also in quotes. Fuck you, Leah. So this led to Leah losing her HelloFresh sponsorship, and then Leah gave what I would call a pretty half-assed apology, and I thought this Instagram comment on her post by someone who goes by at carjohn, it says, I'm sorry you perceived my traumatizing actions as traumatizing actions. I don't remember this happening. Also, I'm pregnant. And that's what you missed on Glee! I think that sums it up better than me reading her old whole three page notes app apology because that kind of does get at the gist of it. And this isn't discussed in the cuts article coverage of this, but beyond Leah being shitty to her black co-workers, it seems that the general consensus is that she was kind of shitty to work with in general. Heather Morris, who played Brittany, so she worked with Leah for a long time because Brittany was obviously a recurring main character on most of the show episodes she tweeted in part that was she unpleasant to work with very much yes and then i also saw in the comments section of leah's apology that multiple people who worked as extras were expressing their issues that they had working with her i've said it before i will say it again of course i think that everyone should be able to learn from their mistakes and become better But I think this goes to show that Leah needs to take a big look inward and really like like work on some shit, let's be real. Our last article of the day. The stars of Outer Banks quarantine together. Here's the stuff they use the most. By Chase Stokes and Madeline Klein as told to Jessica Sylvester. So Chase Stokes plays John B. And Madeline Klein plays Sarah on Outer Banks. And I will say that I liked Outer Banks. I wasn't obsessed with it. Most people are like, oh my God, I'm a John B girl. But I'd say I'm more of a JJ girl if I had to pick. So <laughs> this starts out with Madeline talking about one of her necessary things during quarantine is having a communal sleep fort. I have a weird obsession with bedsheets, explains Madeline, whose LA apartment becomes the bunker for her quarantine with Chase and Drew Starkey and Rudy Pankow. And I guess my other question about this is are any of these people dating? Or was this just really that they wanted to vibe together? I have this feeling that maybe Chase and and uh, Madeline, did they have a little thing? Mm, I don't know. And... Uh they're they're with JJ and the guy that actually pay, played like a racist asshole on the show. Um Oh yeah, Wraith. Yeah, he's a freaking <laughs> awful character. You named your kid one letter off from rape, is what we kept saying. Yeah, so that's who they're with. So I don't know, all around questionable to me. But I don't want to get sidetracked here because there's really only one thing I want to share from this list and it's the only thing on this list that mattered to me. So they're discussing things they like during quarantine. Like Chase, of course, likes a basic ass volcano candle from anthropology. No shame in that. I mean, that's candle smells delicious. But that's like what most of this list, li- this list is. But then he gets to this uh, part. <laughs> Prince Neptune by Cody Simpson. And this is what Chase has to say. This is a wonderful book of poetry that I've been rereading. I first met Cody backstage at a Justin Bieber concert I brought my sister to when I was still living in Orlando. We reconnected because he watched Outer Banks and reached out and was like, hey man, I'm a big fan of the show. And then I sent him some of my writing. I went through a breakup a little bit before quarantine, and it was with somebody I'd been with for almost 10 years. I've been writing about it, drawing inspiration from the isolation of quarantine. There's a similar kind of heartbreak involved. So for me as a young poet who's finding my footing, Cody's an inspiration. First off, of course Chase is from Orlando. That really makes sense to me on just a very visceral level. But how the hell did I not know that Cody Simpson has a whole damn poetry book? So I had to go to Goodreads to investigate. If you want the really juicy goss on a book review, head to Goodreads. They got the good shit. And this uh, comment from someone called Allison I found very illustrative. Oh boy, where to begin? There were a couple of poems in the beginning that I liked, but everything else was just not working. After every other poem, I would catch myself thinking, what is he even talking about? Because seriously, what is he talking about? There would be some pretentious line about the universe and our place in it, and the next line he would get a hard on. A pretentious line about meditation and being present, and in the next line, semen sprawled on trees. There was no common theme to the poems, no beauty in the words, and most of the times I could not make sense of it. Another great example, we may wear different clothes, but we wear the same sun. How the hell do you wear sun exactly? This poetry collection sadly did not work for me. I don't know if this review made me want to read it more or less, but I have to say my curiosity is piqued I don't really want to spend money on it, but I might have to see if it's available at the library for me to rent. All right, guys, on to the legit ship for today. First up, I want to shout out at Coop, K-O-O-P, NYC Candles. It is a black woman owned business. I bought four of these candles earlier this week. They are just so beautiful. I bought one black one, one white one, two of the brownish colored ones. And they were just the best price. When I bought them, they were only $14.50, which I was literally like, no, she is underselling herself. Like that is not enough to be charging for these candles. And luckily I saw she's raised the price to $7.50. Like girl, raise it even more. I got you. I will still buy them. And my other legit ship for today is Ben & Jerry's Netflix and chilled ice cream. When I was home, my brother had insisted on buying multiple cartons of this. And guys, it is so good it is peanut butter ice cream with swirls of pretzel and no one does a swirl better than ben and Jerry's. and then it also has chocolate brownie chunks all right i'll see you guys next week bye